Welcome to Full Stack Business Owner, where we're enhancing your... There we go. There we that, go. Was, that, was, that was it. <laughs> Everyone's like, what just happened? Ha- well, I'll, I'll express it this way. Have you ever been to a concert and it's a song that everyone knows and then the lead singer will like sing the first bit and then they like hold the microphone out to the crowd and then the crowd fills it in? T- totally. Well, we know. just did that on a podcast. Well, everyone out there is singing along. Exactly. It's a Bon Jovi concert. Yes, it's, exactly. See, it's like that. But then it's like we've we got to finish it up. But you know what it's really bad is like when you say a joke and you have to explain it to someone so they get it. That's exactly what we have done. So I'm continuing on. Head over to fullstackbusinessowner.com forward slash newsletter. Put in your details so you don't miss an episode. Charlie sends out updates and information all around what we're doing. And actually, these stories are absolutely fantastic. But before we get into the episode, let's cue Charlie blank. Valher's infamous disclaimer. Charlie here from Full Stack Business Owner. I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Full Stack Business Owner team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you financial advice or pick investment products. We highly encourage you seek out and engage the use of professionals when making financial decisions or comparing investment products. Today, Charlie, we are going to be continuing on this concept of profit killers, but actually talking about personal profit killers. Do you want to lead us in? Yeah, I'll set the, I'll set the context on this. So the previous episode, if you haven't listened to it, we spoke about business and investing profit killers. These are things that in a business context make sense. But um, what we left out of that conversation, and we've had so many good discussions on Grant, is like the personal profit killers. So this is about you, the business owner, the investor, the full stack business owner itself. And um, I'm going to set the context up here in a bigger way. After my first business, I got into a uh, second business. Now, this business was in a different industry with different people doing different things. And I got to the same level and I couldn't work out why. I had the same problems, same challenges, same income. And then it hit me really hard. There's a common denominator. What was it? Me. <laughs> ah, <laughs> that. Was great did like that. Thank you for the setup. I think our good. audience will appreciate it. So uh, that realization in was just such a huge thing for me of going, well, if I'm the common denominator, like I play such a huge role and I think a business will always be limited by the business owner. And that's why it's so important to talk about the personal profit killers. Speaking about a personal profit killer, is your, you got something like in your throat or something, Charlie? Like you you don't sound 100% great. Are you all good? All right, so let's go with profit killer number one, sickness. Um, <laughs> and if you uh, listen closely, you may hear a crackle in my throat and maybe even a lozenge uh, rattling around because I'm actually sick at the moment. I'm actually quite sick. I've caught something off Jack and my throat and head cold is uh, certainly not my day. So <clears throat> what's interesting on that is this morning when I got up, and I knew I was unwell and I had this podcast, instead of focusing anything business-related or doing anything productive towards business being successful, my whole morning and time has been devoted to, well, what can I do to get well quickly? And for anyone playing at home, it's the perfect mix of over-the-counter drugs and caffeine mixed <laughs> in with throat lozenges to do the podcast you are doing today. Do we have to have like a health disclaimer now? <laughs> oh, yeah, we probably should. <laughs> Don't take health advice from me. <laughs> but I, I love this. Wait, it wait, comes, 
Do you know what would be funny? If, like, we get sued for health advice after spending so much effort and energy, like, trying not to get sued for investment <laughs> advice. That would be hilarious. So just, just like, say. Charlie said caffeine <laughs> over the counter drugs. <laughs> but it's, it is totally true. It's how many times have you been sick and you've said the famous words, I'm just going to make it through the day. You reckon you're reckon you uh, you're going to crush that day, Charlie? You reckon you're going to make some pretty good decisions <laughs> when you're just <laughs> trying to do just scrape by? Yeah, I, I've noticed particularly like even this morning how poor my decision-making has been and just like the focus split mixed with the quality of thinking that's gone into the morning. It's like I'm clearly not my best and showing up at my best and how could any business owner ever do that? Like you're not going to be like – it's common sense. If you're not rocking up in your best form, how could your best work exist? Completely. And I actually think it comes back. Uh, there are sicknesses that we all face that we can't avoid. Uh, and I'll tell a story a little bit around uh, when I had my hernia. The The challenge though is like, well, sometimes the best solution is pre- like prevention or preventative measures, I would say, which is like a good health and fitness. Like, I'm curious, Charlie, out of all of the successful business owners that you know, how many of them a significantly overweight, smashing like monster and Red Bull and doing takeout every single night, but crushing it in their business in comparison to the ones that actually focus on fitness and health and eating right and making sure they get a good night's sleep. What do you reckon the split is? On the ones I would know, I would say like 99% take their health very seriously. Now, I wonder if that is a causation or a correlation as to why their business is becoming successful, right? Because, well, if the mind's right, the body's right, everything else kind of falls into it. But it's also the time that they've spent avoiding getting sick because it's proven that the more unhealthy you are and the worse you eat and all and exercise, and not if you don't have exercise, the more susceptible you are of sickness, of illness, and it significantly increases. Like, it's fact. <laughs> There's no dancing around it. So, uh it's almost like this little productivity hack to not get sick and then not drag everything else down. The awareness I want to bring people on is like I don't think people often consider the decisions they make and how it could lead to them being unwell more often. Mm. So if you punch down a couple of glasses of wine every night, you might not think much of it, but the reality is your sleep quality is then lower and then in turn your immune system isn't strong and it's like you've only got to go past someone on the train or at the office or whatever it is, or at the gym. And I'll talk about the gym momentarily. But it's like (laughs) that makes you way more susceptible. So if you're sick three times a year more often because of those types of lifestyle choices, it is killing your profit. It absolutely killing your profit. Now, if you are doing that, and I will mention this one here, um, gym addicts will often train sick. It's very, very noted that people who have exercise addiction will train when they're well or not well. Point being is the gym is the worst place to go if your immune system isn't in check. Like you're almost guaranteeing you will be sick in the nature. Yeah, it's a place where germs spread immensely. So um, just to throw that little point in or or personal tip. I love your point around that red wine because I I actually think that that like expands this thinking a bit more outside of just sickness or just health and fitness. How many people do you know that try and smash coffee late in the afternoon just to go and hit that last one. And there's all the studies around the half-life of caffeine into your body, not sleeping well, <laughs> and then just go to bed and not sleeping great. But where do you get that kind of feedback? Well, you're like, well, I feel groggy the next day, but I'm because I haven't had enough caffeine, let's go and get hit some more caffeine. When in actual fact, it's because you're not sleeping properly 
And so now you have this forever sickness that you're just always chasing after <laughs> because of it coming back to what you could almost group into this sickness concept. And I would, would you I've, group I've burnout into this? Totally. Hun- yes. Because it it's almost like this big grouping of all of these different things together. It's like a teepee. They all lean on each other. Because you're completely right. Um, and I, I, I have done this. I've done the Gary V grind and hustle uh, many times in the businesses that I've sort of built out. Um, and one of the things that I loved and hated was back when I was building Focus HQ and I was smashing out like 80, 90, 100 hour weeks. And like we were, we were going out for like lunches and, and dinners. And I was trying to explain my week to you. And you're like, what the hell do you do? <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. And the funniest thing was when I actually went on a bit of a holiday, it took me days to wind down, by the way, because also wound tightly. But when I came back, the decisions that I was making, I was able to see things that I was doing that I should have been delegating. I was seeing things that I was getting other people to do that added no value to the business that for some reason I was just getting people to do. Like, so myself, I was just hitting this burnout and I just felt like doing things was going to produce an outcome, not doing the right things. And so it was just more time in front of the computer equals more success, Charlie. Like, it's just like, do more. Just, just it's like more. counterproductive, right? The diminishing return is like if you continually rock up uh, to business and you're burnt out, then you're less effective and then have to work more to achieve the same outputs. Or it's make a forever cycle. Quality. Very, very much a forever cycle. But the, the thing that, that really hurts me about a lot of the things that we're talking through is it is there's no feedback mechanism or it's very difficult to get the feedback mechanism. Like burnout, for example, happens after it happens. Like the second you hit burnout, you're like, oh, I'm burnt out. When you're actually like, well, how do I prevent that? Like, how do I just make sure I don't get burnt out? But then everybody talks about, well, when you have burnout, this is what you do. Like, it's almost like a rite of passage, right? Well, if, if, if you're a business owner and you, have, and you haven't been through burnout, Charlie, have you really been a business owner? Apparently not. <laughs> have you ever done this one? Have you ever been like a little bit sick and then convinced yourself, well, I'm going to go do a really hard workout and sweat it out and then only to realize that it will blow you out for, you've blown yourself out for like a week now? In being sicker, if you'd just taken one day off, you probably would have recovered might, much more quickly. I might have a sweat tracksuit. Like, <laughs> it's like you go to the gym. So, this thing, like, it holds the heat in so that when you work out, like, you sweat even more because you're like really, really hot and you're trying to work out. But no, Charlie, I've never done that. I've <clears> never <throat> gone in a sauna trying to convince myself that you can get rid of the flu with a sauna at all. Have you have you ever tried to power through a sickness that you swear like you could have just like rested one day and it would have been done by the next day, but instead you tried to push through it and you had that sickness for like two weeks, and so instead of you just like having zero percent, let me down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Where instead of having like a zero percent output day, recovering and getting your head right, and then having 100 percent output days, you just had two weeks of fifty percent the whole time, which is like. Bruh. It's like people in their cars where they're just like, no, no, it hasn't died yet. And it's like, yeah, but you keep replacing every single part of this car. It's probably going to be cheaper just getting a little bit better of a car because it's going to save you money in the long run. Same. All right, we're going to wrap up point one then. But I, <laughs> there was like three. It was like three. There's points. a lot of. Is that, oh yeah, it really was. We really dumped some into these. But again, I want to make sure we get through this list here because I think totally. it's a very, very critical list. All right, so I'm going to jump into the next one because the first one here is just so – I think it's obvious, but I bet you every business owner 
could do better when it comes to looking after themselves. Um, life drama. What do you, what do you mean by um, – here we go. Have you ever seen a guy dangle a carrot? Hey, Charlie, uh, what do you mean by life drama, man? <laughs> I love how you turn this on to me. I'm going to categorise this one by a few. <clears throat> I'm going to uh, make the statement that if you've got a lot going on in your uh, home life, so this is maybe with you and your immediate family, your partner, your kids, whatever it is, that would be one category. The second one would be like extended family. So maybe you have a very dramaful family. Or three is you've got like very dramaful friends. If all that's going on or one or multiple or layers of them, I would make the argument that it is unlikely you will be making your best decisions in business or having things run well because like all your energy and attention is going to be focused in that area of your life. I'm curious, how do you approach someone? I want to unpack this a little bit. How do you approach someone who's like complaining to you or trying to like rile up a bit of drama? Like how, how do you approach that? It's actually been really difficult. Um, I, I Well, I would hope that everyone has experienced – actually, I wouldn't hope this. I've experienced this and I think it's common, but I hope everyone doesn't have it. I think on the journey of business and life, uh, we meet people or perhaps share a bloodline with people <laughs> – that are just drama finds them. And when it doesn't exist, they create it. Yep. Right? There are dramaful people. And I would also say there are negative people that I would throw into this same category. So for some people, like you say something and they've always got a reason why it can't work, why it's wrong, why it's negative. You ask them something and they complain. Right? These categories of people and I think that part of the uh, challenge as a business owner of being someone who's more positive is that you have to like limit exposure or eliminate? Like, yeah. Like, do you I, think you what you're going to give them a Tony Robbins CD and they're going to go wow and then not be a uh, dramaful person? Like, do you actually think that that's well? That's not my experience. I found the best tool and strategy is limitation and removal and avoidance. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I've been on the receiving end of drama, and my immediate response is like nothing. I just go silent. And then they get more upset because I'm not asking more questions about it because I really want to explain it. And then I just like silent again. <laughs> it's just like, because I'm just like, the only other thing outside of now I know that you're trying to drive drama to me is I'm just going to avoid this situation. So I'm just not going to be in this situation and I'm not trying to convince you to be positive or not. I have a theory and you've heard me talk about this theory recently around people with drama. I, <laughs> I've gone on record to talk about uh, in business and this is how I get people to think about like team members and work with team members. I always think about a team member when they're at a family barbecue or friend barbecue with their friends, right? And the question is always asked, right? Because it's always, how's work, right? So in, in personal life, it's like, well, how's the husband? How's the wife? How's the kids, right? So there's always a leading question. And now if that employee just says, oh, it's, it's okay, they will always get probed. Now they'll always want to tell a story, Charlie. And the story is always going to be one of two things. It's either going to be extremely positive or extremely negative because no one wants to tell the story of how they went and got a coffee and nothing happened. It's either the coffee was really good or the coffee was really bad. And so it's either work is doing this great innovative stuff and it's fantastic or it's like, oh, my God, my coworkers suck and it's like, right? And so the whole point is like, well, how do I give them things to say positively? Now, a lot of people are listening to this, business owners. So... I argue that business owners always have something positive going on or at least they're trying to solve problems 
that they think is solvable. So most things that we come across, we say that is a mountain I can overcome because that's what business owners do. We face it daily, whether it's wealth creation, business related or personal, whatever. What happens a lot of the time for the drum, the dramatic people and the toxic people that I see and that I've witnessed, I have a theory, I haven't proven it, that the reason that they have and create drama is because there's nothing else going on for them. So for us, every time I catch up with business owners for dinner, all I talk about is the problems I'm trying to solve from a position of they are solvable. Yes, I'm going to talk to you about my problems and my challenges, but I, I present it as an idea of solvable. And the business owner will present the same concept back to me, but it's very creative. It's very building. It's like we are trying to get somewhere. For people who don't have anything, so they're not trying to play a sport, they're not trying to solve a business, they're not trying to do these things, when they have nothing positive to talk about because life is monotonous, kids are going to school, I'm at home or I'm working, there always has to be something negative because that's the only thing they can go down because they don't want to prop other people up. They don't want to say, my boss is amazing. Oh, my gosh, my, I don't know, relative's amazing because, no, it's not a powerful story. Powerful story is negative, right? Like, oh, my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. And so what actually happens subconsciously, in my opinion, is when people don't have anything to say because they're not trying to construct a lot of things, they'll pull everybody else down. They'll throw shots at people. They'll talk about how what other people are doing wrong because they're trying to prop themselves up to make themselves like, well, I've got something better. I'm trying to do something. And so I always try to avoid people in my direct network and friends and family, et cetera, that aren't doing something, aren't trying to progress somewhere. Why? Because never guess the stories are always negative, always bringing someone else down. Or they're talking about some celebrity doing something which I couldn't give two shits about. And I suggest that is my view. Soapbox rant over. I'll say maybe. I think there's. A, I think you've made some interesting points there, right? So it's like there's something about people that are trying to make progression. It doesn't have to be business, but it's like people who are trying to do things generally seem to be more positively framed, I would say. Yep. Um, and I would say that um, a lot of your points around people that don't have anything going on in life, like they tend to create drama. Board, if your job is watching paint dry, the likelihood of you doing things in your personal life that create drama, I would say, is high as well. Totally. It's likely. Although, again, maybe someone who would take a job of watching paint dry <laughs> might also do some pretty boring. Like I know some pretty vanilla accountants, right? They got some very boring things going on during the day. They do pretty boring things at night as well. But so they I might have some stories though. <laughs> but how do you feel? I um, I have observed though that it's like, do you not find like it's a rarity for someone to be a negative person then become a positive person? Like, there's got to be some wiring and habit. Like, I think some people just get so used to being negative. And then uh, that it just becomes what they do it every time. You never guess what happens, Charlie. People try and congregate around others who are like-minded, which is why you get a whole group of people that are just super super negative and they just feed off each other. Same way that business owners come together and they solve problems. Like they grow together. They improve on top of each other. And I'm using business owners as an example. You could do the same for sport and all those other things. They grow together. Oh, that's surprising. I did love your point though about like, remaining silent. I've made this mistake. I had a negative person in my life and I'll give you the example. I um, was showing a video about these new AI fruit picking robots about how they're being rolled out because you couldn't get fruit pickers in Australia. Yep, Dude, by the way, amazing. If you get five minutes, go and look at the robots that are being built to pick fruit. I couldn't yeah. believe it. Like drones that are getting berries and stuff. It's unreal. 
Like absolutely amazing. And uh, anyway, a family member saw it and their context was, well, that's going to take jobs. <laughs> but they found something negative about this. I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? Now, here's my mistake. I said, oh, can't you see that this is like those people that were picking fruit? Well, maybe they can chase their dreams now and build businesses and write books and create art and they're not going to ha- like they don't have to do that. So what mistake did I make, Grant? I tried to ask someone to see the situation from a different point of view and then that created drama. <laughs> I put, I literally got the can of petrol. There was a little fire and I'm like, no, 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 I can put this out. <laughs> Just uh, most fires get put out with a little bit more gasoline, Charlie. You didn't know I would this. say most arguments and most drama is people trying to get people to see others' perspectives. Completely. So like you've got a vegan and a carnivore and they're trying to convince each other why their way is the way. Silence <laughs> is the answer. Correct, because well, they're both right. Like it's like, oh, okay. Although sometimes uh, I'm a weird individual. Sometimes I'll feed into it. I'm like, oh, my God, you're right. I'll Just bet you were bored. I'll tell you right now, when you do that, that's you creating drama because there's something like business was too boring for you that week. <laughs> totally. It's like I need something because it's – and I'm like on the inside of this little kid that's like pissing himself laughing and they're like they're getting all riled up and they're getting into it and they're like, yeah, Grant's on my team. And I'm like, <laughs> like this master conductor. But no, like going back to that drama point, we've all had it though. I, I think drama and toxicity is – it's impossible to avoid it. Dude, Every single marriage, I would 110% guarantee, have had an argument. You haven't taken the trash out. You haven't done something. You've done something incorrect, like you didn't pay a bill. Or There's always going to be something that creates something, but it's how people approach it and, and how people avoid it. And do I'm going to tell you right now, Bianca and I have never had that happen. We've never disagreed on parenting and raising things with raising Jack at all. Never happened. <laughs> Stop <laughs> what? Because one person's submissive and the other person's like, this is what we're doing? Okay. <laughs> Do you know what's interesting? I'm picking up a common theme that I hadn't had this insight before and I, I want to share it. It's like we're talking about like sickness and burnout and then we've we've come into this like life drama point here. The point I want to make is like I'm recognising that it's like the decisions we make, you can dial these up or dial them down. They're actually more within our control than we may realise. Mm-hmm. This is, but I don't think people have that general awareness, or at least I don't. Well, this is the this is the interesting thing that I've always challenged, been challenged with, right? So I love when an action has a feedback loop, which is why I love accounting money. It's like I do an action and the feedback is more money, I've done it right, less money, I haven't done it right. But the problem with a lot of these things is there's minimal feedback. Like the feedback on burnout is you've burnt out like there is no feedback along the way of or we Wait, at so least we, ignore it what are we going to do like get you with like a one of those whoop bands or whatever and look <laughs> at your like fatigue levels or do like a tracking spreadsheet on like how many times per year you're getting sick right so it's like i i think you could create something more tangible but it's, i wouldn't say that's common or realistic <laughs> but this is uh, and this is the challenge and it's actually you've done this very well it's a perfect segue into like the next point uh, which I'm going to let you head, head off on, which is personal development. Like this, it, the becoming aware that you just using human nature to try and approach these things and just like, oh, I think this is common sense. is probably not the best way. <laughs> it's actually trying to develop on top of it. I actually think this is the most important one on the list. I think you, you have structured this list very, 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 very well. I will say. All right. So uh, undoubtedly the first things we've spoken about, profit killers. 
but I think this is the number one. So I mentioned in the context of this episode about like uh, when I uh, had the realization that I was the problem. The thing I didn't say though was, well, what did I do about it? Yep. So to that point in business, I'd spent all my time and energy from an education perspective on business skills. Mm. Like I'd learned how to, like, you know, I did accounting courses, I did ads courses, I learned copywriting, sales, right? I went and actively pursued business skills, but I hadn't at all in this uh, pursued any personal development skills. So when I had the epiphany, I'm the problem, my uh, rationalization or realization was, well, what would happen if I took the time to invest in me? Yeah. So um, I took a year and I actually did like several personal development projects or programs, I should say. Many of them were excellent. Some were trash, but I could say the same thing about the business courses I've done. <laughs> right, so I think you got to be careful with everything, like filter on reviews, uh, check what's right for you and what you agree with. Like it's not a one size fits all, especially in the personal development realm. But um, the thing I found more interesting on this is that as I went through that year of personal development, what was fascinating to me, I learned no new business skills in that time, but let's say six months into that year, I started fixing my business problems. Mm. I had not realized how much me, the business owner, had, and my personal development had actually limited my success in business. And I'll give, you, I'll give you an example because I think this is a, a great way uh, to think about it. Uh, in my upbringing, I had uh, certain beliefs around money and certain experiences around money, uh, which I've mentioned it many times. So I won't dig into it, but like, we had some challenging times with money in my family at certain points. But because of that, the way I was approaching business is like I w- had massive fears around money. Mm. Like I was a Scrooge um, and a retired ass and wouldn't invest in things. So when I was able to work through getting over that, and then start applying that to business, bang, we were on. And um, then the other side of it was I never would have started investing because I would have been too scared to invest. Like I would have been hyper-conservative and just saved money. I wouldn't have even invested in bonds, right? I would have like literally just like had it in cash accounts. <laughs> like that's how risk adverse I was with it uh, in that way. And I just look at that like that's just one of the many things I had worked on that just unlocked profit in a business because of the way I was able to approach it. Like you, you do this thing, which is what I, I admire a lot about you, is it's almost like every single thing that you do in a given day or in life in general, I guarantee you, you have consumed quite a few hours on how to do the thing. Like I would argue that you've probably done a touch typing course to type quicker on your computer. I would probably argue that you've done a lot of training around how to make a chimichurri. How to cut herbs, maybe. All right, let's let's just go to that one there. How, I know this one. How many hours of content do you think I've consumed on chimichurri? <laughs> See, this is like, I don't know, 10 hours at least. I, w- I wasn't that much. It was oh. about five hours of videos I've watched on chimichurri. <laughs> but, this, but this is the thing, right? Like it's, it is just making a sauce. Like, to, well, I, now I'm playing down chimichurri. It is how to perfect the greatest sauce on the it's face of the planet. It's not a sauce. It? It's a lifestyle. I feel like I've just opened the kettle whips. But like, how many people would you think would just open a recipe and go, hey, hey I can make a chimichurri and it's done, right, as opposed to thinking about it of going, well, how do I understand the flavors? How do I understand these things? And the same goes for everything. Like you've got this great story that I'm going to force you to tell around um, where most parents that I know when their child is not sleeping and so they're not sleeping, they go, this is commonplace. 
like how many times? It's like, why are you so tired? Oh, I've just got a newborn. Yeah, okay, cool. I get it. You're going to have a couple of months of just shitty sleep. But yourself and Bianca went through a completely different one. It's just like, I'm not having this. And so you use personal development outside of the logical things around like how do I improve relationships and how do I improve my psychology of money? But you just apply it to everything that you ever do (laughs) to try and improve on it. Do you know what I've thought about where this comes from? All right, so um, one of the things that's different in uh, my upbringing to other upbringings is I did an apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. And so I'm actually a plumber for people that don't know it. Yes, I can actually put in a toilet to do it. Um, Anyway, um, point being is that I think for a lot of people in schooling, right, the education system is very, very different than an apprenticeship. So in apprenticeship, like you literally work under someone and it's like you learn from them. They have the solutions and they teach you things. It's kind of like mentorship. So the idea that or the wiring that I seem to form is that, well, someone already has the solution to my problem. The thing you do is just buy the shortcut, pay for the shortcut. So you identify the problem and then you pay for the shortcut so that you don't have to drag things out by trial and error. So when it comes to doing an apprenticeship, it's like the first time, uh, let's say we put a toilet in. I can't believe we found a way to put uh, make this the example in a podcast. This is great, way. by the way. This is fantastic. Yeah, but you watch someone else do it. Oh. Like where I think people, and I'm not uh, necessarily trying to downplay the role of university or other things, but like in that world, you tend to learn from like books. Like it's yeah. more like, like it's not the doing where it's like I very much found that I've taken that with me into other things. So when it came to business, right, when I've done training is like I like to, or I'm going to, I want to learn how to make $10,000 a month. Why not? Who's done it? How do they do it? Watch how they've done it. Then you do it. Yeah. Or if I want to learn copywriting, same thing. It's like, it's this, that's the approach I've really taken into everything. So to answer and tell the story around this, um, about four weeks into uh, Jack's life, we're getting no sleep. Like it's like brutal. I have not had this level of sleep deprivation and it's just like beats you down day after day, right? So like when you're 20 and you go out to have one big night at a nightclub, you just sleep more the next day. It's not a big deal. Easy. So sleep deprivation for one night is easy to get over, but this continual grind while trying to run down a business is like it is something else. Um, So at that point, my wiring kicked in and then I'm like, we'll pay a sleep consultant to solve this. So we paid someone. Turns out we were doing everything wrong with putting Jack to bed. (laughs) In the space of a week, he sleeps eight hours. I'm like, wow, life-changing. Yeah, That's that's the approach that I I love, that I've I've picked up quite a bit from yourself, is looking at nothing as this is the norm. And uh, that's what uh, I think a lot of people, if I use... Like as I'm listening to you sharing this, it's like the key thing that I take away is going, nothing's norm. It's like, how do I think about money? Whatever you're thinking now is like, no, that's not the norm. How you think about the relationship? Like, do you, no one's ever really, I would argue most people listening to this have never done a course on how to be a good partner, husband, wife, or otherwise. And so I definitely have. I've done two programs on it. <laughs> Very few. Yeah. But this is the thing. I, I like, might still be terrible at it as well, just to be clear, but I'm trying. <laughs> You tick the box. You went to the course. It's fine. Um, but it's like looking at every single thing that you face, I think that's a, one of the greatest profit killers is just thinking that whatever you're doing now is the right way. It's like Do you think we're becoming here. more unusual the deeper we go into business? <laughs> it's totally. I, it's the Yeah, 
I get people saying that I'm weird more now than I've ever done before in my life. And I've always been weird. I'll put it out there. I'm going to continue on the next point, though. Let's do it. Relationships, Charlie. How is how how can relationships be a profit killer? It makes no sense. I don't understand. Uh, I'll use an example here. Um, when uh, you and I and the girls, which is Hazel and Bianca, our partners, go out shout for out. dinner, yeah, shout out to the ladies. Right. One of the things I find really interesting is the next day there's like this after burner effect. Like when you hang out with the right people in your life and right being subjective to everyone, the next day is just like, yeah, like let, let's crush the world, right? So the more of those experiences I have with the relationships around me, it seems to be a feeder into the other things in life going well. Yeah. Now, conversely, is if I was to uh, go out with some of the people we mentioned in the earlier point of life drama, <laughs> I'd almost like, and then the next day is like, it's the opposite. Mm. It's like a drainer. I'm like, I'm like waking up and going like, oh, I can't believe it. we went out for that dinner last night. That was a terrible idea. Like, <laughs> I'm now worried about the jobs that are being lost to AI robots <laughs> for picking fruit. <laughs> It totally is though. But the problem is like we, we mentioned this on the last podcast around like holding uh, legacy clients and suppliers and team. It's like the same with relationships. The challenging thing with relationships is like, but what do you mean, Charlie? I've been friends with them since high school. <laughs> and in lies the difficult part of it. Because it's not, it's not just an easy change. It's not a like relationships are relationships. It's almost like the longer that you've had a history the more it justifies it not being what you would like. Like how many people, like I've, I know I've got friends that uh, during a period when I was 25, I'm like, I don't want to catch up with these people anymore. But the, the here we go, this is, this is exposing Grant a bit too much. So when I was like 24, 25, uh, I was running a business and everybody wanted to catch up with coffee with me and all they wanted to talk about was drinking and picking up girls, right? And I, all I Wait, wanted to talk Productive about, business meeting, by the way. Amazing. Continue. Amazing. But all I wanted to talk about was business because I'm like, what, what are you guys doing? What have you been doing? Da, 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 da. But my network was most of the people that I like, grew up with and that I went to university with and all those kind of things. And there's, they're not bad people is what I probably will say because a lot of them do listen to this. The, Wait, we just the, have to stop right there. We're not judging people in general. All right? Family members, on the other hand, completely <laughs> judging. I want to make this very, very clear. We're not saying your friends are bad people at all, but in circumstances your family might be. but what i found was it was so difficult to cut ties to like not catch up with them anymore right and so i actually just moved overseas like i i I, I was speaking to a mentor who was my my mentor at the time and he's like you said if someone asked you out for another coffee again you were gonna scream and then you went overseas (laughs) that was it i was just like because i was i was done um and, like, there are quite a few friends that I'm still in contact with now that were still in contact with me in the Philippines and they were the ones that I wanted to maintain and retain. Um, but because I found it so challenging personally, the only way for me to get out of it was completely leave because that was just the easier approach. And I'm like, well, the ones that I want to keep friendships with and keep in contact with are the ones I'll contact when I get back, which are the people that I did. And guess what? I got great friends. I got great conversations. Ain't no one talking to me about negativity because these relationships are the ones that help prop me up, the ones that help challenge me. Question, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? To your point, we go out for dinners. And it's like, why are you doing that? Why are you stagnant? Why aren't you challenging yourself? And I'm like, that's what I want. (laughs) And so 
I found it so challenging. The whole point of my story was I actually just had to get out of the country for – I left the country for like seven years, but I just had to completely get out. I think we often talk about on this podcast the idea of like uh, having the right network and building your network. One of the things we don't talk about though is like just eliminating the poor quality parts of your network. Yeah. So the idea being is you can kind of drag up the average just by removing the bottom 10%. So that's the insight I probably offer, though I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this point because we have covered it in many other ones, and I think this is probably more common. Should we jump into the next one? I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. Hey, Charlie, do you think you have a good reputation where people will want to share with you ideas, where people will want to hear your thoughts on things, or do you think that people don't like your reputation where they don't want to interact with you and they don't want to share their thoughts and they don't want to hear your thoughts? I think it would depend who you ask. <laughs> I, I've been um, – how would you describe to someone who's very direct? I, that was me this morning. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. <laughs> Some people in my life love that because they know I'm not just going to agree with them. I'm going to put thought into the things they say and give them my uh, real opinions and I'm also not going to fluff around. It definitely has rubbed people up the wrong way as well, though. So depending where it comes from, like that could be a really dangerous thing is like how I'm being perceived by others. Now, I suspect that uh, for some people it's brought them closer to me because they appreciate that and want that in their life. For others, though, it's been a repellent. Yeah, like totally. it's definitely limited things. And I think that at times in my business journey, I definitely lacked the software skills as well. Totally. I... <laughs> In an interesting way, I've spoken to quite a few people and it has worked in your favour where people appreciate that that hardness, that firmness, but also the intellect and everything that they talk to you about, um, which is why I think having a reputation of one way or another or of intellect or unintellect or asking good questions or taking ideas from other people, like are you a leech or are you growing into it, I think is critical because imagine being the person that you thought you had a strong network, but they never invited you out for that dinner. They never took you to those meetings. They never gave you those opportunities. Why? Because you had a reputation of being a taker or you had a reputation of not delivering or you had a reputation of uh, biting off more than you could chew. You always over-promised and under-delivered and that was your reputation. The profit or the opportunities for you to create profit, whether it's financially, business or relationships, disappears. Right, because your reputation is the one that's tarnished everything. I might have to reframe. I actually think this might be the biggest profit killer on the list. So <laughs> yeah, totally. I know I said it earlier about like not on personal development, but maybe I'll just keep saying it for the rest of these this episode. The next one could be a two. This one. Yeah. So I I know someone right now who doesn't have a good reputation. They actually have a reputation of like um, screwing people over in business deals, and it's like it's spread. It's actually spread where I know people that won't work with that organization because of what, and they can't even confirm it, right? Here's the thing. They've just heard rumors that, of what this person's uh, done and their behavior. Yep. So you got to think about there is if you've got a poor, if you've got a reputation of screwing people over to the point where it's spread and other people don't want to do business with you because of that reputation, that's a profit killer. Couple of- it's completely silent because you would mostly never know <laughs> that the reason that people weren't getting your services or weren't giving you these opportunities is because uh, second or third 
degrees of connections have told them not to. And well, it's that's what makes this one even more important to take serious, does okay. it not? Like I, I would argue that most people haven't spent enough time asking the question, what do people say about me and my organisation when I'm not in the room? I love that. That's great framing. I Yeah. I wish more people spoke about this reputation one. There is, I'm just thinking back to the amount of times that I've gone to seminars, conferences uh, and like meetups and stuff like that and just the, the volume of questions of people just like taking, 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 where they're just like asking questions for their own personal gain and then I see them again and I'm like, I never want to talk to this person again because I'm like, they're not adding any value. They're not actually building a re- relationship with me because in my mind – I see them as someone who's only in it for themselves and not in it for the greater good, which means their personal reputation to me has just com- been completely tarnished. Can I share some more on this one? Oh, the, oh, do you want me to give you the uh, the bottle of gasoline too? No, no, no. Well, let, me, let me set this point out. I went out for a, a lunch with someone and they treated the waiter at the restaurant poorly. Oh, dude, that is not negotiable for me. Oh, my. Continue. Go, go, go. Yeah. Yeah, so see how you just reacted? Oh, so I'm at this lunch. I'm thinking that I'm going to be um, having this meal with this person. We're going to do some business together. I see them be an absolute dick to the um, waiter. Deal done. Not doing it. Because I'm like, if this is how they treat them, it's like how they're going to treat us and, and even then I just think it's incredibly poor form. So when yeah. it comes to reputation, it's like I would look to these things and go like it's layers deep. Mm. So and I hope people aren't doing that in general because this applies both ways. But it's those types of things that can damage your reputation massively. Um I would also say what's really interesting is I've watched people um someone will buy something, it doesn't go well and then they won't refund it. And it's like then that person goes and spreads a wildfire on what happened from their perspective and it's like it doesn't lead to a good place. It really doesn't lead to a good place. So I I would throw into things here that it's like worth always doing the right thing in the circumstance. Even Even if you feel like you're in the right, you're far better off taking a hit in the moment in an encounter with someone then you are um, trying to be all self-righteous because if the damage they could do to your reputation could have impacts well worth the cost of doing a refund, for example, whatever and it is. I will say this, not to the extent of like going too far. Like if someone's done you wrong, I like call it out, right? Be like, And you're a very personally direct person and I try to be at times. Um, like it's not to say to be a pushover just to make sure you've got a decent reputation and things like that, right? Like it's no, don't try and act to be the person that you're not, right? Like there, there will be some people that will gravitate to my personality that won't gravitate to yours, Charlie, and which is 99.99% of people. Now, and I'm joking. And there will be people that will gravitate to your personality, Charlie. It's the same reason why like in the fitness industry, like there are just so many different fitness influences because people appeal to different things. Right, some your reputation is based off your personality, so it's not trying to be someone who you're not. It's still you want to stick to your brand, but the key thing about your reputation is what is it? Sorry, just don't be a dick. <laughs> it's like just don't be that guy. Which is I still remember. So I lived in the Philippines for a very long period of time, and there were two 
very well-known podcasters and internet marketers that lived in there. And I won't even say the city because I think people would connect it. And so I, they invited me out and I flew out to go and see them. And one of them is the nicest human beings I've ever met in my my life to the point that I've spoken to a lot of people about this person. And I'm like, I'm happy to introduce anybody. He was amazing. The other guy was the rudest guy I've ever met on the face of the super smart guy, great at making money and all these things. He got into a taxi and he's like, turn this chicken scratch down. What are you doing? He was offensive to people. He was, to your point, rude to waiters and everything. And these people are a duo. Like they're connected. And so it reflects on their brand because <laughs> now I'm like, well, I would do it with this guy, but I wouldn't do it with that guy. So I won't do it with either of them because I don't want to be affiliated with that crap because my personal brand and my personal reputation is an extension of the people that I'm connected to and they are, and I don't want them to be connected to me. So people are like, well, if Grant accepts that type of behavior, um, what does that say about Grant? And so now it's like my reputation is based off my connections as well. Because I'm like, I'm never going to introduce them to someone else because then when they see that, they're like, huh, this doesn't align to what I thought Grant was. There's a great book called uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I would put that on the recommended reading list here for everyone with reputation. And I know um, it's a tall order to ask people to change their personality, but if you are a dick, you probably should. (laughs) And on that note... Let's wrap up this episode. Yeah, and if you if you listen to this and you're like, yeah, there's probably people that don't want to refer business to my business, yeah, read the book. <laughs> Go get on to it. I just want to say thank you very much for listening. Uh, and if you haven't subscribed already, head over to fullstackbusinessowner.com forward slash newsletter and look out for our next episode. I just want to say thank you for joining us and we look forward to catching you on the next time of Full Stack Business Owner.